You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call, as today your Indiana Hoosiers defeat Merrimack 81-49 to at Simon Scott Assembly Hall in a game that featured kind of a sluggish first half for the Hoosiers. Indiana only led 36-30 to at halftime, but used a big spurt early, uh, and then the bench played pretty well there over the second part of the second half as the Hoosiers outscore Merrimack 45-19 to uh, to create the decisive final margin, the win brings Indiana to eight and two uh, on the season, and this was, you know, as they mentioned at the end of the broadcast, a nice way to kind of put the Wisconsin loss, the Wisconsin collapse in the rear view, get a nice win, have a lot of guys do things you can feel positive about as Indiana looks ahead to next weekend's really important matchup against Notre Dame uh, for a team that could really use a nice non-conference win uh, away from home. That'll be an opportunity for Indiana to do so. And you know, I think we saw some things today to make you feel good about Indiana's chances in that game. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Andy Bottoms, and this is the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And let's start this show the way that we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And so for the banner moment, I'm going to go back to the beginning of the second half, which is when Indiana really you know, won this game and kind of put it out of reach after that sluggish first half. And with 14.50 to go in the second half, Xavier Johnson hit a nice little pull-up too, which made it 51-36 to Indiana. And really at that point, it kind of felt like, okay, Indiana's in firm control and we can kind of cruise here for the rest of the game. And, you know, it was the culmination of a really nice start to the second half for Xavier Johnson, who had four points and two assists uh, to open the half, had one assist on a three-pointer to Miller Kopp, uh, hit a couple of free throws as Indiana went on that 17-6 to run early on. And I really just thought it was a nice bounce pack performance by Xavier today after his struggles against Wisconsin. He was much more under control. He made better decisions. Uh, you know, and that's really, to me, it's one of the most important things that could come out of this game. He was the big story uh, at Wisconsin, you know, especially as in the second half, he just kind of tried to do too much. And he's just so important to what Indiana wants to do this season. So, you know, to me, how did he bounce back? And I thought, you know, look, in the first half, uh, you know, made a couple of bad passes against the zone, you know, that, that led to some runouts or Merrimack going the other way. So it was nice to see in kind of that decisive stretch of play, Xavier was really important uh, to what Indiana was doing. And so that, to me, is the most important thing uh, that we saw today in a game that Indiana was always going to be able to dominate with their bigs down low, and they did. But it was nice to see Xavier bounce back and have a good performance. All right, our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, now in their fifth season of sponsoring the Assembly Call and their first as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. And, you know, look, Christmas is coming up. As you think about what Christmas presents you want to get your loved ones, make sure that you shop online at homefieldapparel.com. For the IU fans in your life, Homefield has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you're going to find anywhere with beloved logos, like two different versions of the Bison. And for fans or graduates of other college teams, Homefield field probably has something for them too uh my mom who hopefully is not listening to this she put on her christmas list a sweater that's really soft inside and so of course the first thing i thought of was the crew neck sweaters uh by home field apparel she's a graduate of colorado university went on there bought a crew neck it just arrived a few days ago she is going to love it so indiana fan not indiana fan whatever home field will take care of you uh and look you're supporting an indiana-based company that came up through the kelly school of business 
What could be better than that? So go to homefieldapparel.com, use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your entire order, uh, your first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, the website, homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we will start with Andy Bottoms. Andy, your bottoms line on this Indiana victory. Yeah, I'll, I'll save some thoughts on Xavier Johnson because I thought the point you made was a good one, but interesting the way Woodson kind of handled him late in the first half. But uh, that that wasn't really the really the bottom line of the game today. I, you know, another game where the the first half was uninspiring in a lot of regards. Really let Merrimack get comfortable early in the game by overhelping a little bit and then just getting in scramble situations defensively. Uh, one of them was a tough shot that they hit toward the beginning that was toward the end of the shot clock, but a couple of the others seemed preventable from a certain certain element so um you know let him get in there i think the move to play all five bench guys at the same time didn't really work very well in the first half there was a uh, a pretty good drop off there where i think that that unit got outscored eight to three uh in a stretch once uh i think tjd was the last starter to leave they got outscored really let merrimack get back in the game a little bit there but then um as this team has been want to do you know come out and play the other half with a, a different level of intensity um, and if Ryan were here, I'm sure he would reference the noon tip uh, against a against a poor. It's completely ridiculous. Absolutely, he might even say that. <laughs> Who's to say? But um, so anyway, I, I do think that plays a, a factor into it a little bit. But also, you know, we're kind of past the point where that kind of excuse making makes a ton of sense for um, you know, for this group. But but did like the focus they came out with in the second half. Thought a lot of. Um, effort plays, you know, scored multiple times off of uh, free throw misses and were able to get, you know, get the ball back and, and convert in that scenario. So really thought the effort in, you know, key stretches of the second half was was really good. And and again, you see a team play that well, hold hold Merrimack to, I think, 0.56 points per possession, I think, in the second half, the way that I had it. You know, you see the potential ceiling upside, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And in some ways, I think that makes it more frustrating when you see the stretches of play that, that aren't up quite to that standard for, um, you know, for longer than a couple minutes, but uh, you know, overall took care of what they had to do. We're able to get a lot of guys some minutes. Uh, I thought that second unit played better in the second half. Uh, and, you know, we're able to get some guys rest as well. And, uh, you know, race Thompson was fantastic. I guess I'll, I'll end with that. Probably another thing that Ryan would say if he was here, but, uh, you know, he, he had some really big plays and uh, solid inside and, uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about him more as well. He undoubtedly would, but he's still sleeping, so he cannot be here. Uh, coach it's Tonsoni time. What's on your mind? Yeah, I, I thought it was a really good performance. Um, I, I'm a slightly different than, than a lot of people. I didn't think the first half was all that bad. Uh, they, they hit a, a crazy three, otherwise it would have been nine points. I, I do think our, our second unit came in and was not sharp defensively during that stretch, but only gave up, uh, uh, I think one or three points, uh, in, in their, st- uh, stretch of play. Uh, I thought they were really intense defensively to start almost too much. Uh, so they were giving up drives and over committing on their rotations. So I don't think it was necessarily good, but I don't. I was really concerned after a loss like at Wisconsin and you're playing a Merrimack to come out and not have intensity. I looked, they had, they were in stances, they were flying around, they were playing extremely hard. And I I thought Merrimack just hit some shots. Um, Yes. You want to be up a little bit more. I I thought Indiana could uh, have been up 10 or 12. Uh, You know, the point spread was 20. And so if you win by 10 in the first half, 10 in the second half, you, you, you reach what people think uh, was going to be there. So 
I didn't think it was a, a, a tale of two halves, slightly different than, than Andy. I just thought that Indiana played excellent in the second half. Merrimack hit some shots in the first half, but I thought there were a lot of good things. thought there were a lot of good performances by individuals. That's why you schedule a team like this. I, I know we have schedule issues, uh, a lot of people think, but I think we got out of this game what Indiana needed to get out of this game was a bounce back from Wisconsin, some pretty solid play, uh, some improvement uh, and and some areas of concern still around. Uh, but I thought it was overall uh, a, a good game and, and an exciting game to watch uh, as it can be against, uh, you know, teams like this. And Merrimack was only down 11 against Gonzaga. And, and it could have easily been 9 or 10 against Indiana, given a couple shots. So uh, pretty pleased at, with this performance, to be honest. Yeah, I think the issue with the first half, Coach, because I think you're right. I think they were playing hard on defense. It was right. just more a matter of execution. Right. I think the issue, you know, and again, part of it is just the ghosts of seasons past where we've seen these yep. underwhelming teams come in here and shoot well. And so it was just another first half where, whether it's because of effort or execution, Merrimack was getting some open threes and they were allowed to get comfortable early from behind the arc and they made some, but Indiana cleaned that up, you know, to their credit. So I think that's that's mostly what people were a little bit frustrated yeah, about. Yeah, w- one, one of the things, and, and you can dismiss this in the chat mob or whatever, but man, however, the first five or six minutes go, everyone's making their decisions on whether I, I use here, you know, it's hard to be up 10 in the first five or six minutes. Everyone has run their scouts uh, and, and their set plays and they're going to run their best stuff early and uh, you know, it, it, it stretches out, uh, in, in most basketball games, your first uh, quarter, your first 10 minutes are going to be a little tighter, uh, regardless of, of that. So there has to be a level of patience, uh, in that, uh, and I, that's maybe where I'm coming from. So I think, you know, you look at the box score, certainly if, you know, if you paid attention to that second half, I think one of the big storylines is going to be Jordan Geronimo who finished with 13 points and 13 rebounds. Really filled up the stat sheet, Andy. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, Tony Adranya did a Twitter Spaces uh, at halftime kind of talking about the first half. And he really spent a lot of time talking about Jordan Geronimo's struggles against the zone in the first half, which were there. You know, he just he was really struggling to make the right decision, had a couple of turnovers. And to his credit, really just came out in the second half and kind of used his athleticism and his activity to just overwhelm them. Uh, you know, he had that incredible offensive rebound off of the free throw, uh, you know, was able to convert, uh, finished with five offensive rebounds. I mean, we'll get to the numbers, but Indiana's advantage on the glass today was just out of this world. <laughs> they got rebounded by like 30 or something. Um, here's my question about, you know, Jordan Geronimo. What did you see from him today that's translatable to Big Ten games? Obviously, the effort is always, you know, translatable. Um but, you know, this Merrimack team is one that Indiana was going to be able to dominate with their athleticism and size, and they did. So as you look at, at Jordan, obviously, you know, building confidence, making some of those hustle plays, is there anything else you saw that was kind of a building block for him as he looks to become more consistent against better competition? Yeah, we talked a lot about his his shot mechanics looking good. Just sometimes the, you know, shooting the ball a little bit too hard, a little too, a little too long. Um, so he showed some good touch today. I think even at the free throw line, he did miss one of them, but I think he was good uh, from the free throw line outside of that. But I, I mean, honestly, what you said with the athleticism is uh, probably what you'd look for. I mean, if, if he just was an energy guy that came in off the bench and kind of flew around and got rebounds and uh, did some of those things, I think, you know, he was one of the guys at times I got that struggled. I thought with communication defensively in the first half, it's a little bit difficult the way that Merrimack spaces you out and forces you to make some decisions in that in that regard. And if your communication is not good, you'll uh, you'll miss some things there. And I think 
he's still trying to work through the fact that his athleticism can make up for um, <laughs> making bad decisions at times and, and things like that. And I thought Tony made a good point. I remember him doing the same thing in the Syracuse game. You know, when he broke down the film of that, it was very clear, like what they had told Geronimo to look for against the zone. And sometimes he would make the pass without seeing if it was actually there versus I thought the second half, he slowed down a little bit. If there was an opportunity to take a shot instead of looking to immediately to pass, uh, I thought he did that uh, as well. But I mean, I think the effort and, and athleticism related plays that he made are hundred percent translatable to the big 10 and are a lot of what you'd love to see off the bench to really keep the energy up so that if you get off to a good start, it doesn't drop off because you've got a guy coming in and, and playing that way. Um, you know, just the, the, the rebounding is a little bit, a little bit odd as you think of the game. I mean, Merrimack would basically like shoot the ball and then all five guys would try to get back on defense. So they weren't going to get a ton of offensive rebounds. And, and he's a guy from an athleticism standpoint, that's just going to go clean all that up. Um, but he's a guy who can certainly rebound out of his area and, and all the athleticism things like that to me, a hundred percent translates. And that's what you need him to do. He's not going to get a double double every game. He's, you know, but if he, he is a guy who just based on effort alone can probably get you six to eight points if he's, uh, if he's on. Great uh, quote from Jordan. Dustin Tapiric just had this on Twitter. This is from Jordan Geronimo. All these little things matter. Rebounding is something I'm gifted in. God gave me this body to get rebounds. Coach, would you say something similar about yourself? Uh, no, um, <laughs> unless unless it's a donut that has bounced off the table and is about to hit the floor, then then I have the body to grab that one. <laughs> <laughs> what were your thoughts on Jordan Geronimo today? You know, he 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 really is <clears throat> solid, and, and he's just learning the game. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, that's where the first half zone offense, I agree with Coach Adranya, and, and I think even in the second half he takes a, a shot that probably – he wasn't supposed to, or he could take if he was open, but he was contested and he bricked it off to the side. But, uh, you know, playing that short corner, getting that, that dump down for a dunk and all of those kinds of things, that's stuff he can do. Uh, he's really, I think, a solid asset on the ball defender. I, I think he and Tamar struggled with some switching uh, and some overclosing out, uh, especially in the first half. And I think that's that, to me, is where the first half kind of got close, uh, is, is when those guys came in and, and they lost a little bit uh, defensively uh, which resulted in their three-point minus, if you would, in, in their play, which kept the game a little closer um, than everyone uh, wanted it to be. But, you know, boy, what an athlete. And you can do so much as a coach with that athleticism. You know, if there is a guy that is that <clears throat> wing guy, his length and his ability to get off the floor, he can guard the bounce a little bit. He can make it tough to shoot over. I think that's going to be great. And then again, rebounding because our wings aren't really great rebounders. Someone mentioned it in our discord channel is really spot on uh, comment that, you know, uh, we have wings that are there to shoot the ball. They struggle in getting rebounds and Geronimo can, can come in and do that. Even though he's playing the four, if he's on the floor, probably race um or tjd uh, is not and so we rely on our posts to get rebounds uh and, and that's just an important part i thought he had a fantastic night struggled in, in a little bit of aspects but again you look at it over 40 minutes the team played really well if you look at it over the minutes that geronimo played he played really well you coach to perfection but you know you're never going to have it um and so geronimo was was, was awesome today yeah, and look, we've seen enough of these early starts to know the first halves are often really sluggish. The goal is, okay, when you go in at halftime and you regroup and you've broken a sweat, can you come out and dominate? And Indiana did that in the second half today. And so I think it's, to me, it's pretty easy to take 
some of the underwhelm that was pretty easy to feel in the first half and focus on the second half because I think that was really more important and more telling uh, from this game. Look, I don't want to you know just totally dismiss what Trace and Race did today. I mean, I think this is what they should have done, but the two combined for 30 points, 16 boards. They were really efficient, You know, did a pretty good job of making their free throws. Uh, Trace had three block shots. Andy, you know the the one thing uh, that I continue to, I guess, worry a little bit a little bit about with Trace, you know, as he you know really has just become a better player in so many areas, is and you saw Miramax start to do this is Big Ten teams are going to scout him and they're going to start shot faking everything, and so you know he has become a much better shot blocker and he obviously has the freedom to do that. I remain a little bit worried about how that's going to translate to the Big Ten with better guys and, and better scouts. So that, to me, continues to be something to watch for because he's so important. He's got to stay on the floor, avoid fouls, and avoid just flying past guys and giving up you know wide-open layups. Um, but otherwise, I was impressed with him today because you know he struggled against Wisconsin. It was kind of one of those trace games where he struggled to just get into the flow. And he came out you know ready to lead and dominate today. Uh, and did that. And so even when some things were, you know, not going great for Indiana early on, they could count on him. And he was kind of that anchor. He and race were those anchors in the first half that kept Indiana ahead, kept Merrimack at arm's length, even when they were making threes, even when some things weren't going well. So, you know, I don't, you don't take a ton from it because this is what they should do against a team like this, but still kudos to those guys for leading like they should. Yeah, it was the way that Merrimack played their zone was, um, kind of interesting odd whatever whatever you want to say i mean they left a ton of room in the middle of the floor i, I know that's where everybody's going to say there's always space there but there was like a huge gulf in the middle where iu really took advantage and was able to get them the ball and as you said especially early i mean if you go back to the beginning merrimack's making those threes but iu was keeping pace you know tjd gets to the free throw line makes both he scores again inside race scores inside race gets to the free throw line like they were really uh despite you know, a zone that might say settle for threes. Uh, IU did a good job of, of continuing to get them involved. And, and same thing at the beginning of the second half. I thought they uh, really got those guys uh, in it as well, even though TJD got blocked early on. But um, you had Ray score inside early. You had, um, you know, a couple other plays in the first, you know, eight, eight minutes where um, got some lobs to those guys and things like that. So I think good for IU from a game plan perspective to be able to execute still getting their best players the ball and chances to score against a, uh, a little bit different defense. I, I'd love to hear coaches' thoughts on a 2-3 zone that allows you to uh, enter the ball directly to the block from the top of the key. I thought that was an interesting strategy that they employed in the second half. Uh, a nice pass by Xavier, but just kind of funny, uh, you know, to, to watch a zone allow that kind of, that kind of pass. But, um, yeah, like I said, kudos to IU. They didn't settle for a lot of threes early, uh, really rode those guys when they could, and they, uh, they responded. And uh, with the with the good games for both, and also, uh, you know, also just being able to get those guys some rest after playing some pretty extended minutes, where you see TJD played twenty four minutes and uh, Race only played twenty, was another added bonus. Uh, even though they got their thirty points between them, I think before uh, they went out. Coach, any thoughts on those two guys? Clearly, Indiana yeah, leaders. One, uh, the rebounding, the offensive rebounding, that's always going to be a plus. And I think we have two real quick off the ground rebounders that that's going to make a difference come Big Ten play. So so that's the number. You know, the points are just getting regular. Uh, we could talk about the points, but the rebounding. The other thing is Trace Jackson Davis, six for six from the free throw line, because if he's going well, he's going to get a lot of coverage and he's going to get fouled. And if he can hit, he's not going to hit 
100% all the time. But if he can get 75% of his free throws, he's going to get a lot more points and put Indiana in a very good position. So he did all the things he's supposed to do. Um, I, I didn't like the not block out at the end of the half. So there, there, there's two points in that three. That's, Indiana should have been up about 11 uh, in, in the first half. But, again, everyone has a slip up here and there. I just think it's great. As far as the block shots, uh, I would really – I don't mind him going for block shots. He's got to be the second guy off the floor. You're quick enough, Trace, uh, to be second guy off the floor and throw it into the balcony. You don't have to be going for fakes. You're going to really work on that. And then the other thing is don't go if race has embodied up because not too many people in the Big Ten are going to be able to shoot over or through race. And sometimes I think Trace Jackson Davis goes to help post to post when he doesn't need. And then you got the dump downs late against Wisconsin, which hurt us because he left early. The guy wasn't going to score. And then – you give up offensive uh, rebounds because we do have str- tr- um, struggles getting down and blocking out. We call it uh, cracking down on the big when we have to rotate over and we tell our wings uh, in our program, crack down. We, we just have difficulty doing that because of who we have on the wings. So I think that's something obviously the coaching staff's aware of and, and we'll continue to work on. But again, just solid. It, you know, we, we need to appreciate these guys while we have them because it's just fantastic the, the effort that those two give. Yeah, yep. coach, you made you made a good point about about Trace. There was one possession where he ended up blocking two shots in the same possession where he did exactly what you talked about. The guy tried to back right. him down. That was a little bit different than you know the one where he really flew by the guy was a, a you know a drive where he's you know in motion. But the one where the guy tried to post him up, he held his ground, waited till he shot, blocked it. Guy gets it back, does the same thing, blocks it again. So some, something to look for. I don't know if it's as much of you know when when he's in that position and it's a little bit more stationary versus on the move or whatever the case may be. But to your point, he still has plenty of uh, plenty of ability to block those shots when he's, when he's not being overly aggressive for sure. And you know what? It doesn't really matter because we've got Logan Duncan out there being a combination of Alan Henderson and Eric Anderson in case anything happens, you know? So I, I tell you what, we're going to love that guy before he, he, <laughs> he turns his uniform in. Yeah. I, oh, I, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. I agree. I agree. I already do. You can, you can see it. Uh, okay. Uh, coming up here as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's big victory over Merrimack today, we'll point out today's meaningful moments that you might have missed, and then we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You are listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Verdell Jones. What's better than an epic buzzer beater? A full court dribble and a perfectly placed pass to set it all up. And of course, celebrating with Hoosier Nation afterwards. So join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on an assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Had to pick that one on an anniversary like this, you know. Uh, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Coach Brent on Sony and Andy Bottoms. We are breaking down Indiana's victory over Merrimack uh, on Sunday afternoon at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And guys, it's time for today's meaningful moments that you might have missed. And there's a couple moments for me that stood out uh, about Rob Finnessy, uh, who I thought, you know, did some good things today, but also showed us some of the things that are kind of holding him back. Um, and you go back to the first half when it was 30 to 24. Uh, and, you know, Indiana really did a nice job in this one possession, you know, getting Merrimack zone moving. Rob had the ball at the top of the key with lots of options. He had a lane to drive. He could have uh, driven and kicked. I think either Leal or somebody was out on the wing. Maybe it was Parker Stewart. Uh, and then he also had a big who was over there in the short corner that pretty clearly if he drove, the guy was going to step up and he could, you know, dish it down. And Rob has had an issue sometimes in these moments of just going, you know, instead of kind of overthinking, just going. And in this case, he went. He was aggressive. The defense came to him. He dropped it off to Trace for a dunk. It was exactly what you want to see from Rob. Then there was a possession in the second half where something similar happened. He got the advantage on the defense. You know, pretty clearly, if he had just kept driving, he would have been able to drive and kick or dump it down to the big man. And instead, it's like there was an invisible force field that no one else could see from him, and he turned around and threw it out to Jordan Geronimo, who took that contested three that I don't think Mike Woodson liked very much. Um, and so, Coach, <clears throat> you know, that is kind of what we're fighting with Rob a little bit, which is when he's aggressive, when he just plays by instinct and doesn't, you know, kind of overthink it, he makes good plays and gets the ball where it needs to go. But there are these possessions every game where it just feels like he's overanalyzing it. You know, and sometimes just doesn't trust himself or doesn't trust what he's seeing almost, you know, like a like a new quarterback who's kind of looking at the field and doesn't trust what he's seeing and will back it out or kind of throw it back out to someone behind the three point line, even though he's got an advantage in the lane. So I thought there was much more good than bad from Rob today. Don't get me wrong. But those two possessions kind of sum up. We've got to get more of the first, less of the second, and it's going to make him a much more productive player off the bench for Indiana. Yeah, I think y'all were real tough on Rob. I thought Rob played fantastic today. That was probably the one thing I think uh, uh, Rob Rob, Rob uh, got caught on an under in, in a down screen situation and gave up a three. But if we could bottle this Rob Finnessy for the whole Big Ten, I think Indiana's going get, to get a few wins. I thought he was fantastic. I think sometimes it gets etched into our memory, and it, it happens to me too. Like, that is Rob's issue. Like, when he's aggressive, and so when you see that non-aggressive play, boy, that sticks in your memory a lot more than – 
than his aggressive play. I thought he was really, really good passing the basketball. I thought he was really, really aggressive uh, at a time. Um, he got stuck on that pass out to Geronimo. I, I think he had the lob there uh, again. But you coach to perfection, and you're absolutely right. That that was there were a couple things where he did revert back, but, but I thought today he was fantastic. And again, I think a lot of times uh, the general fan um, forgets a little bit about how solid he is defensively. I, I thought he made guys take contested twos today. And, and I really think if you break down the point guard play, Rob was the better point guard today. Now X had a great second half. He had four assists in the second half, but, but uh, there was a segment where uh, X had a turnover then he had a, a, a three, a quick three that missed. Then he had another turnover. Then he made a three, and then he had a bad pass. Um, and that's just as inconsistent in his decision-making. Um, it's just the point guards have been an issue for, for Indiana. So I, I think X still has some. You know he got talked to in the second half because X comes out and gets four assists. I think he had zero assists in the, in the first half. X was a playmaker in the second half. I thought Rob uh, – Again, I, I think Rob's going to get 15 to 18 minutes. If he can do what he did today, Indiana's a better ball club. All right, I th- Rob was better today. I can't – here's the thing, though, with Rob is we also ha- – I, I do think you're right that sometimes there's an anchoring effect where it's like you see the one time when he you know makes a non-aggressive play and then that kind of links up to your preconceived notion of him. But the other thing to remember is – and it was good. He had four assists, you know, only one turnover. That's really good. But the other problem is he is not giving Indiana any scoring and didn't again today. You know, missed his three shots, didn't score. And that's the one thing that X gives. Now, he's got to be more consistent, but X scored nine points. And so that's the thing with Rob is when he's playing well, you know, he's getting the assists, he's moving the ball, but he's he just hasn't been given Indiana any scoring punch. As a backup point guard, does he need to score or does he need to come in and run, run, run the show and play defense? I mean, it'd be nice to get some scoring if he's gonna. I mean, if he's gonna be playing, I, I, I don't. I don't disagree with you on that. But um, you know, yeah, X is much better. We're gonna be better when X is out on the floor playing well. Uh, you know, he has got that wide variance, uh, the floor versus the ceiling, or or whatever. I'm not gonna pull a Michael Jordan here. The floor is the ceiling, or whatever. Uh, comment, ceiling but, is the roof, or the ceiling is the roof. Yeah, um, <laughs> but his role now is defined as coming in in that second unit and get, and stopping someone defensively and getting into the offense. If he can just get there, I think I'm, I would be pleased with it. What, and then scoring is like icing on the cake for me. Yes. Um, See, I, I would agree. I would agree with that. If we weren't playing these first five, second fives, you know, because then when he's kind of leading the second five, you need more scoring out of your point guard. Now, Woodson did play some with X and Rob together today, which I liked. Seeing. I do like that. But that's someone in the chat put scoring is overrated. And I think they're actually being serious. I mean, look, I like I love Rob and I do. I think we saw more good from him, Andy. I just, you know, that's kind of the the next step for him is, you know, can he start making those outside shots? outside shots consistently when he when when Xavier you know the difference between the two is when Xavier gets an advantage gets a step on guys he attacks the basket and scores in those situations that's still the missing piece for Rob and if it comes it makes him even better that's all I'm saying Um, and if we're going to keep doing playing the rotations the way we are it's going to be hard to not get scoring from him with that second unit yeah you touched on a lot of things that I wanted to bring up so I'll try to try to organize my thoughts here a little bit I, I think one of the challenges is playing the the, the groups of players the way they are, because I think that does put more pressure on Rob to score. Now, he was one that was out there a little bit with at least a, a few of the starters a, as they went. But when that 
second five went in the way that I had captured it. I think they they got outscored eight to three during the stretch where that was before they started putting in any of the other. Then they put like three starters back in. And then, you know, by the time the other two were back in and you had all five starters back in, you'd gone from a 10 point lead to a three point lead in, in the aggregate. But um, so I do think that that puts a little bit of that pressure on Rob. There was another good play that he made that I'd written down as a meaningful moment. I think uh, they'd gotten it off an offensive rebound. We're patient offensively. Leal fills the space at the top of the key and Rob is in the lane is patient, finds him and, and hits a three. Uh, I, I just don't know. Part of this feels like, I don't know if it's, I'm not sure you're going to get scoring out of Rob at this point. Like he kind of feels like he is what he is. So I don't know that it's worth debating whether he, he should do that. Cause I just don't know that you're going to, what I think you need to do is try to figure out how to maximize what he's doing with the, the way that he's playing, which yeah. is probably not to put him out there with four other bench guys. Um, because, you know, with a really good drive that he had where he went, you know, he dished it off to TJD. Obviously, that's a guy who has some pull on where the defense is going and opens some things up for uh, for Rob to be able to drive. doesn't mean that there won't be games that he scores a little bit, but, you know, four assists, one turnover. Thought he made a lot more good decisions than bad over the course of the game, but I just don't know that it's realistic to think he's going to score. Even at the free throw line, not sure he looked su- even super comfortable there. The ones that went in were, you know, kind of rattling around the rim and, and eventually went in. In that regard, and then with Xavier, I thought Jeff Settles made a, a, a I think what, whatever he said, he's uh, coachable but emotional, uh, I believe was the the way that he described him, which I thought was really good. Um, maybe I just wanted it. Maybe it's the same kind of like confirmation bias that you guys were talking about. Like I just wanted to agree with somebody who wasn't Stephen Bardo uh, on the on the broadcast, but uh, I thought it was I thought it was it was apt because when when that. The starters came back in, and the end of the first half was when that stretch that that coach talked about. They they'd gotten the lead down to three. He comes in immediately, makes a bad pass turnover, takes a three quick in the possession. Now race bails him out, gets a put back, turns it over again, then makes a three, and then I think there was another pass there. He got taken out almost immediately after that. And Woodson's given these guys a decent amount of rope. I feel like in the other games, I mean anybody. Uh, obviously, people have feelings about the Wisconsin game about how much how much rope he gave some of the guys, but. Um, and he took him out, didn't play him the rest of the half until the very last possession uh, out there. And I think really tried to rein him in. And then you saw him apply some of those things in the second half to talk about the coachability standpoint. Coach, you talked about that. There was a, you know, cop had hit a three in one corner. Somebody kicks it out to X. He's got a shot that he could have taken. That was a wide open three. He passes the ball to the corner, gives up the open shot to a guy who just hit one and, you know, makes a smart decision. The kind of decision that you want your point yard to make to a, um, to, to, to pass up a, a good shot to get a great shot. Um, so it, it just is how you rein him in. And it's, you know, kind of like we talked about on Assembly Call Radio the other night, like he and Rob are so far apart just in terms of like, uh, you know, complete opposite ends of the spectrum. So I think it swings things a lot for the offense when one is in versus the other. But I, I think that coachable and emotional thing is, uh, is, is, is kind of the frame of reference I'm going to use with X throughout the season. But I did think he... Um, applied some of those things in the second half and kind of let some of the emotion get out of it and just played, did the things that he was uh, able to do, had a number of really nice passes in that sequence. That's why I thought some of the reaction after the Wisconsin game was insane. I mean, Xavier didn't play well, and he did force some shots in the second half, but he's not a selfish player. He's an aggressive player, you know, who will take what the defense gives him, and a lot of times that's what was available against Wisconsin. But I don't think he's selfish. You know, so, you know, and, and I think his he's had really good shot selection on threes this year, too, which has actually helped him improve his efficiency, even though, you know, obviously he's not going to be a high volume guy. Um, 
I think his big learning point is how to play with uh, the players Indiana has. I think at Pittsburgh, he had a lot of weight on his shoulders. And I think when it comes down to pressure situations, sometimes I think he reverts back to where he was at Pittsburgh, where he was the guy. Uh, And I think he saw some, that's not selfish. That's overplaying. That's over, over Tamar defensively today was playing too hard instead of, executing you you brought up the word execution i think that's huge with this team this team um sometimes it's it, i know you're not gonna believe what i'm saying but you play too hard or you try too hard and te- and you try to hit those what we call a home runs instead of singles or doubles uh, the second half um and, and that's where i go back to rob rob's all about singles and doubles because i'm not sure he can go out and get the home run i he's like a shortstop that bats 212 you know he'll he's do some sack runner. bunts too he'll you know? do some sack bunts right <laughs> rob don't knows his role um and yeah. rob wants to win x knows his role and wants to win i think x just needs to get to a point where he trusts everybody and trusts the offense and he listened at halftime and the ball moved the one more passing in the second half was just a thing awesome. of beauty leal does that our guards were i believe 13 uh assist to six turnovers maybe 13 to seven i did some quick math here um that's fantastic. I think Leo passes the ball well. I think Stewart passes the ball well. And yes, each one of those, we can go pick that one turnover. Stewart had a bad pass. Rob had a bad pass. I even had it in a Discord. Fit next time down, he made a bad pass. Fantasy, no. You're going to have that, but you want your guards to be aggressive. But 13 assists uh, to, to six or seven turnovers from your perimeters. Um, I just loved watching Anthony Leo pass. I, I love, and I thought Rob did a good job. I loved X's passing in the second half, not so much in the first half. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think the point guard play has got to get better. I think Woodson would still admit that it's got to play that 40 minutes. Uh, but I, I thought it was, um, I, I thought it was solid. And I think Andy's comment about they're two different people probably is the one we all got to get to get a handle on is that X yeah. is going to be a scoring point guard. He needs to be more of a, 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 a leader of the offense. Rob is a leader of the offense. Oh, he needs to be more of a scorer. So their their strengths and weaknesses are opposite. 100%. Well, and this, you know, I think leads to the other discussion just about this whole, you know, playing the first five, second five, you know, which is kind of how it's done in the NBA. And I just, I've been open-minded with it. You know, I don't, we're, we're only 10 games into Coach Woodson's tenure. So anybody making definitive judgments is crazy to me. But I'm starting to come to a more definitive judgment on this, which is that I really don't like it. And the reason why I don't like it is I feel like it does a disservice to the bench guys. You know, I, I think Tamar Bates would be much better served playing in a complementary role with race and with trace and with, you know, some starters out there as opposed to having to be one of the go-to scorers on a bench unit for six straight minutes on the court, you know, same with Rob. I think I would love to see Rob play half his minutes as an off guard with Xavier Johnson. So he can take a defensive assignment and then also just be a guy that plays catch and shoot and secondary playmaker where he's better. So I would love to see that staggered. Are you, you know, do you guys have, can can either one of you make a case in favor of the first five, second yeah. five? Because I think we're all starting to get, to come to the conclusion that we don't like it. I, I need to get used to it uh, because I prefer what you say is mixing uh, players with starters to maximize. Like, Tamar's great, too. Like, I'd love to see Tamar, if they have to double uh, down against Race or, or TJD and have him be able to drive and do some of those things. So I, I am 100%. But I'm also trusting Coach Woodson. Um, you know, 
he even came out and said, uh, I think Settle said something about he's got to communicate better at the end of game situations. And I think that's great self-evaluation. You know, he's Woodson is honest even about himself. I just really appreciate that uh, as a coach. I don't think he needs to tell media people that, uh, but as long as he is evaluating, that's great. Um, but I'm trusting him. And there is a cumulative effect that is hard to see sometimes when we're watching those five get up scored eight to three or, or or struggle together. And the fact is that if the hope is you get all your guys that set minutes of time, they're going to be rested for the end of the first half, end of the second game. It didn't play out at the Wisconsin. That's what Woodson probably would tell us. The other thing is everyone knows their role. You know that if you're off the bench, you're going to get five or six minutes of serious run together. You're prepped and ready to go uh, instead of just game flow. I bet I imagine that's what Woodson would tell us. Whether we're buying that or not, that's open for discussion. Um, it's kind of like a pressing team that gives up four layups early in the game, but by the end, middle of the uh, second half, that that team, the opponent is worn out, uh, and then the game explodes from a close game to, you know, I think that's probably the mindset and also coming from the NBA, I'm going to trust Woodson on it. It kind of bothers me as a fan, but, um, and, and, uh, you know, as a coach, I like to have my better guys in there and mixed in, uh, but I'm going to trust him a little bit. I think that's the argument for it. Uh, if you wanted to make it. Yeah. Andy thoughts on that. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit like coach where I definitely feel like it's, it's an adjustment to watch because it doesn't, it, it it it's definitely not what we're used to. The the flip side, if you if the other argument that I would make for it is at least in some of these cases, he's letting that group play out there together for a little bit, and you're letting some of those guys actually yeah. get into some Trust. semblance of a rhythm, as opposed to you're in for two minutes and then you're yanked back out and you really touch the ball three times and then you're done. Um, so I think that gets that there's there's value in that piece of it. Um, and a lot of it boils down to like, if you decide that you're comfortable or you want to, or whatever the case is, you want to play 10 guys, then to a certain extent, I'm not sure how else you do it. Um, cause otherwise those minute, you know, if you're trying to kind of mix and match five subs with the, with the starters, you run out of time pretty quick trying it, or you're really cutting into the minutes that the starters are playing. So I think part of that is you could, you could change that if and when he decides he wants to shorten that rotation a little bit. But for now, he seems pretty committed to play in 10. And and if you're going to do that, then I guess it makes some sense. But I, I was tracking the results in the second half. They weren't good at the onset. Um, and then the starters never came back in. As, and and you kind of ran away with it. But the first few minutes those guys were in there together in the second half wasn't great. Um, they kind of played him even as opposed to you know falling behind, though. And then... I think at that point Lander came in and I, I, I kind of stopped looking at what the um, that score was because it became pretty apparent that the starters weren't going to come back in. So there wasn't going to be a comparison point. Yeah, it'd just be interesting. I mean, NBA teams play nine, 10 man rotations, but very rarely does a really good college team in February and March play a 10 man rotation. So yeah, you also I'm, got I'm eight staying... extra minutes to play with in the NBA. Which right. That's what a little I mean. bit to try to figure that out. That's but. what I mean. So I'm staying open minded about it, but I'm starting to develop feelings. <laughs> so just thought I would express those. <laughs> well, um, and I think, I think part of that is also the way, I mean, we saw that. It's in the like Wisconsin dating game, right? again, right? Like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, but part of that was, was that, that, that's, that was one of the things in the second half of the Wisconsin game where it kind of got away from him was doing that. So, I think in the first half, it probably makes some sense. I just don't know that you can go to it religiously in the second half as you're going through and 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 trying to navigate games that way. Maybe the second half is where you shorten that rotation a Andy, little bit. Andy, that's, that. that's a great point, too. Uh, I, I don't necessarily mind it in the first half, um, 
but going to the six minute mark, um, you know, when, when was it, was that a Syracuse or Wisconsin or Syracuse game when, when that happened? Um, yeah, that again, it's just odd for me to see that in, in college. So, uh, but again, I, I'm going to still stay somewhat open-minded about that. All right, uh, let's go inside the numbers, fellas. This segment sponsored by the Power Rank, where our friend Ed uses data and analytics to make accurate football and college basketball predictions. Ed, also a, a Michigan grad, so he's having things are kind of back to normal for Ed here, as the football team is you know doing really well, the basketball team struggling a little bit. Uh, Ed also writes an incredible March Madness guide every year, which we will have a special offer for you on once March rolls around. For now, if you want sports betting advice with a PhD edge, or if you just like understanding sports at a more analytical level, you should subscribe to Ed's free newsletter. You can do that at thepowerrank.com slash AC. That's thepowerrank.com slash AC. All right, let's dissect the numbers here. You know, I think the top line numbers, Indiana scores 1.246 points per possession, uh, which is very solid. They hold Merrimack to 0.778 points per possession for the game. Uh, Andy, to your point from earlier, 0.576 points per possession in the second half. That is outstanding. Uh, The big number that everybody's going to be talking about coming out of this game is 54 rebounds to 16 uh, for Indiana. That is really nice to see on an individual game basis. I don't think that's really translatable to Big Ten play. I continue to think that rebounding is more of a weakness than a strength for this team right now. Uh, but, you know, that's obviously good to uh, good to see on a one-game basis. Andy, what numbers jumped out to you today? Yeah, I think the rebounding, and I mentioned this earlier, I think that was a, a function of the way that Merrimack plays. They were just trying to get back, not get beaten transition, and they rarely, if ever, uh, sent anybody to the offensive glass. So uh, that those are probably inflated a little bit, no, not to mention the overall size advantage that that IU had in the game. Um, you know, if you're looking for things to nitpick, 10 turnovers in the second half, a few of those came late, but there were some that were in the, I think I had three in the last, you know, maybe six, eight minutes, but um, it wasn't, it wasn't all, uh, you know, garbage time ones. Although to your point, it was a lot of the front court guys more so than the, uh, than the guards in general, uh, as we look at that, or at least the, the, the guards who played a lot, but um Shooting wise, the 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 uh, overall shooting number is almost fifty two percent. Three point shooting was not great, just five of sixteen. Didn't really feel like IU forced them. They were really force feeding the ball inside. Uh, if you tell me Anthony Leal shoots four threes, I'm probably going to assume he hits more than one. Um, I thought Parker Stewart got fouled in one, if not both, of his three pointers that he uh, that he had. So I'm not 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 a huge concern. Twenty two of thirty two from the free throw line. Um, would like to see, you know did a great job getting there. We're in the bonus really really early. Um, but you know, missed a few, you know, missing 10 free throws over the course of the game is something I'm sure everybody will, uh, will hone in on from that perspective. But, you know, we talk about the rebounding second chance points, 21 to two bench points, 34 to two points in the paint or bench points, 34 to eight points in the paint, 34 to eight. Um, so a lot of, a lot of good things in, in that regard, you could really tell what I use game plan was and they followed it, uh, in that regard really well. Coach, any important yeah. numbers? He took them all, all both mm-hmm. of you. Yeah. Uh, I wrote down. I wrote down the points per possession. Would it be selfish, it, Andy? It, Sorry, <laughs> Andy okay. was like Xavier um, Johnson at the end of Wisconsin. There, just taking all the possessions. Right. Gee, um, bottoms. He's just trying too hard. He's not <laughs> yeah. selfish. He's, he's just trying too he's hard trying to make sure hard. the show is positive and, and uh, headed in the right direction. And you know, chat stays all right. We're just trying too hard here with, with a good goal. Um, 
the points per possession are just fantastic. Uh, you know, these teams can play Merrimack beat Northwestern a couple of years ago. That guy's doing a really good job in moving that team from division two to division one. They won their conference. Uh, well, I don't know, last year or two years ago. Um, so that they have things headed in the right direction. And I know it's a cupcake schedule. We beat them by 30, but you still got to play and, and that defensive, uh, thing. And we really, I think some don't have the personnel to be this good defensively. I mean, cop and Stewart are here to shoot, uh, and they struggle guarding off the bounce, but our activity off the ball and the rotations has been really good. In fact, it hurt us a little bit in the first half. We were over, uh, rotating and sometimes two guys on the ball, and that's when they hit hit some of their shots. That's where that it's easy to back a team back down into a, a, a good execution level than it is to encourage them if you're if you're lazy. So that's where I took, uh, uh, you know, I was excited the way they came out and played because they just were playing uh, a little bit too hard. The other thing is I felt like they had a bad shooting night and it was thirty two percent. That's kind of fun, guys. Um, you know, Stewart did get fouled, but he was over three. He's been shooting forty nine percent coming in, and then you feel like, oh man, we didn't shoot well. And then you look at thirty two percent. It's not sixteen. It's not twenty one percent. It's thirty two percent. And um, so uh, again, that's those were the two numbers. We already talked about the assist to turnovers. Uh, I think that was uh, pretty good. Uh, oh, on on the turnovers. Ten of them were from post guys. Somehow we got to figure out how to have our post guys not turn the ball over. Durer had it poked away from him a couple times, a couple loose passes in there. Uh, when people start doubling and doing things, we have to be more sure uh, with the ball from the post. If you look at that, the, again, 13 to 7 or 13 to 6 assisted turnovers from your main ball handlers, that's a winning formula. So, Biggs, hold on to the basketball. Um, do a better job with that. But those were the numbers that, that I think – uh, mattered from today. Yep. I think that's a good summation of the numbers. Uh, all right. Coming up here on the assembly call in our final segment, we are going to hand out our game balls and the Hoosier Hustle Award. We'll talk about any lingering questions coming out of this game and then look ahead to Indiana's next opponent. That's next on the assembly call. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. <laughs> Thank you. 
Hey, it's Romeo Langford. What's the only thing better than handing a game winner to beat Wisconsin? Celebrate it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosers. Thank you, Romeo. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 9,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You can join for free at join.assemblycall.com. That's join.assemblycall.com. I am Jared Morris here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Andy Bottoms. And guys, it is time for our game balls from today's IU victory. I feel like there's several different ways that you could go with it. Uh, Coach, why don't you lead us off? Man, this is kind of tough today. Um, I'm going to go race Thompson, six for six. I thought he was really good offensive rebounding, solid defensively. Uh, I think think his efforts uh, need to be recognized. So race Thompson for me. Okay. Andy, who gets your game ball? Yeah, I was going to go with race. Uh, uh, not that it was an incredibly easy decision, but he was, he was definitely the one that stood out when it, when it mattered a lot uh, in the game, I think just continues to do uh, a lot of different things on the floor, did well on the glass, three offensive rebounds. And um, I think, uh, you know, got three and one opportunities over the course of the game, had the one nice tip in on a, the lob from Parker Stewart that, um, was not the best thrown pass, but he managed to guide it into the basket. And, uh, and I just thought it overall strong game for him and one that he only played 20 minutes, but 14 and seven and 20 minutes, uh, is pretty good. So yeah, he was, he was the, of the starters. He's the one that stood out the most to me. Okay. So race gets the game ball. I'm going to throw in an undervote here for Trace Jackson Davis, who did lead Indiana in scoring, did lead Indiana in rebounds, did lead Indiana in blocks. Uh, so had a lot of production and also six of six from the free throw line. You know, I think that's really he, important. He did not lead them in rebounds. Geronimo did lead them in rebounds. Oh, shoot. Yeah, Geronimo did lead them in rebounds. There's so. an undervote. Geronimo um, really could have been considered, too. He, Yeah, he could have been considered. Um, he, he may come up here in a minute. Who knows? He, he may. The one thing I, that I do want to mention about Foreshadowing. Trace, the one thing I want to mention about Trace, and I forgot to mention this before when we talked about you know him kind of going for pump fakes and him needing to be more disciplined. That is definitely true, and Big Ten teams are going to scout that. But, you know, Jess Settles... Actually, Jess Settles should get a game ball because he was awesome. <laughs> he was good. He I mean, was good. He definitely had the crimson colored glasses on, but I'm fine with that. That's all we need during an IU Merrimack game. You know, he's doing callbacks to Jay Edwards and Alan Henderson. And, you know, it was fantastic. So more Jess Settles on IU broadcast. Um, but, you know, he made a comment about Trace with the block shots, you know, and how many shots Trace altered that don't even show up in the stat sheet for block shots. And he said, you know, I wish there was a stat that encompassed that. And obviously there's not a specific stat that encompasses that, but here are a couple of stats that do kind of show it. Indiana currently number one in the country in effective field goal percentage defense, holding opponents to 40.1% effective field goal percentage. That's incredible. Indiana number two in the country in two-point field goal percentage defense, 38.5%. So that's where some of that comes in. You know, as guys getting a little bit jumpy when they get down there, you know, feeling like they have to alter their shots because Trace is around. So, you know, this newfound Trace where he's attacking shots and blocking shots, yes, he's going to have to curb some of that over-aggressiveness, but there's also a benefit to some of that over-aggressiveness, which is that it's altering what other guys are doing. Um, so I want to make sure that I point that out because that's a big part of the reason why Indiana's two-point and effective field goal percentage uh, defenses are so good. 
okay. And now it is time for the Hoosier Hustle Award, sponsored by our friends at Evansville Security Services. The Hoosier Real Hustle Award. Based in the hometown of IU legend Calvert Chaney, and hopefully... You know, we've been saying future legend Christian Lander. Maybe we just need to back that to future rotation player Christian Lander and take take some baby steps here. Uh, Evansville Security Services provides off-duty police officers to businesses and individuals throughout Indiana. Remember, prevention cannot be measured. So let Evansville Security Services help you prevent a bad outcome today. Go to EvansvilleSecurityServices.com to learn more. That's EvansvilleSecurityServices.com. Is there an argument for anybody besides Jordan Geronimo? Maybe we should go there. Should we just give this to Jordan Geronimo and then spend a few minutes talking about uh, about that young man who really had a nice bounce back today? Yeah, Andy. I'm 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 good with that. That's who I was going to go uh, with. Yeah. One one of, the, one of the guys we've not really talked about a lot who hit those couple threes. I think Jeff just put this in the uh, in the chat. Must have been reading my mind. But Miller Cop hit those couple big threes yes. uh, early in the second half to really blow it open. One uh, after IU had rebounded one of those missed free throws, and then the other on the the play I referenced earlier to. Uh, um, that Xavier Johnson made the pass to him. So I thought he had some nice, nice moments in that stretch, but uh, that was really just shoehorning in, him into the discussion since we hadn't talked about him yet. But yeah, Geronimo to me, 13 points, 13 rebounds, career high in, uh, in both, I'm fairly certain. And, uh, and just thought good for him to get some confidence because I think he was, um, it, you know, he hadn't, had not played well, quite honestly, in the, in the yeah. few prior games. I th- thought it just got back a little bit to our points earlier of, of what he, um, got back to focusing on the things that he did well and, and building off of those. It's interesting. I was thinking about this earlier today, actually, because my mind often just randomly wanders to IU basketball thoughts and chronic Hoosier, you know, mentioned it on Twitter, you know, that it's unavoidable when you see games like this for Jordan Geronimo, you know, you see the body, you see some of the movements, you're immediately going to think about OG Ananobi. I was actually thinking earlier today about how, about the, the, where that player comp comes up short. Because it's pretty obvious, you know, that Jordan Geronimo is not on the level of an OG Ananobi, despite some of the athletic gifts. And some of the differences to me are just OG's general awareness. Uh, I think he had better body control than Jordan Geronimo and better touch, you know, just as a shooter, as a passer. Those are some of the things I think that keep Jordan from being at the level of a guy like OG Ananobi. And Chronic said something interesting, which is that he's almost better to compare to AJ Moye. In some senses, you know, because of the hustle, ability to get tough rebounds. And look, no player comp is perfect. We don't even need Ryan here to tell us that. Um, but I do think I, I think I almost like that player comp a little bit better um, for Jordan. But it's nice on a day like today that you can think about guys like OG Ananobi and AJ Moy because they're two uh, great players in IU history. And it also says something about Jordan's potential because we see the potential that he has. Uh, and I think for this season, especially if he can focus on being that hustle guy, being that toughness guy, the offensive rebound guy, the guy that comes in and gives you energy plays, that's what this team needs from Jordan Geronimo. And we can worry about the other stuff as an upperclassman. Um, so this, I guess, to answer my own question from earlier today, you know, what from today can, you know, is translatable to Big Ten play. Andy, I thought you answered it well. You know, being that guy that he was today off the bench, uh, especially for a team that may struggle from a rebounding perspective, is really going to be important. In in a, you know, there's certain Big Ten matchups where it'll be extremely important, and so hopefully he can bottle that and carry it forward. Any thoughts from either one of you uh, on Jordan before we move forward? 
He's just a, he's just a great athlete. And you, uh, we said it earlier. You can do so much with an athlete, uh, and I I would like to see him be better off the ball defensively. That's an area of growth for him. But man, just keep going, getting rebounds, and, and making sure you know you're cleaning up around the rim when you get offensive opportunities. He can hit open threes, um, but make sure you just take good shots, uh, Jordan. But what a what a great guy to have come off the bench. Um, for all the things that, that you said, Jared, the energy. And, and when you just leap up and grab an offensive rebound, it demoralizes the other team. One, because you're not as good an athlete as he am, and he just, boom, goes, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just think that's, that's his niche. Carve it out, make it excellent, and uh, help us win basketball games. Uh, so a couple lingering questions coming out of this one. One is I saw some good reports uh, from before the game that Trey Galloway looked a lot better in pregame, uh, you know, taking some shots, doing some things with that wrist, uh, you know, and so hopefully he can get back out there soon. And I guess one of the questions, Andy, would be, you know, we already talked about how big the rotation is right now. Well, Trey was a guy who was firmly in that rotation. And I think it, it's pretty easy to see some of the things that he does, why it's going to be hard for a coach to keep him off the court, you know, even with some of his shortcomings, but you've had Anthony Leal kind of step up and I think really earn a strong look in the rotation. So what happens when Trey Galloway comes back? You know, what, what do you think, uh, you know, about the rotation when that happens? It's, it's a great question. I, it, it seems like Leal would be the guy most likely to lose some of those minutes just from a positional standpoint. Um, I think Leal has played, you know, one thing I like about Leal is it's a good, it'd be a great example to show like young players. I was talking to my team this week about being ready to catch the ball and shoot. He's always there. Um, you know, got his hands out, ready to catch the ball, go into a shot. But it, you know, I don't think you can, I mean, we're talking about how we're struggling to, to reconcile playing 10 guys. So I don't know how you can just add, you know, a net of one, you know, another guy to it and then start playing 11. So I, I guess it feels like Leal would be, the guy most likely to do that because Durr clearly has a role as the, you know, TJD backup. Um, you know, Geronimo, I think is carved, carved out a role. We've talked about the point guard position with Rob, you've got scoop in there. So like, who do you really, I mean, Leo feels like the guy that you'd, you'd end up given his, um, you know, wouldn't end up losing his minutes, but maybe it's more of a game by game and, and matchup based scenario. Uh, but I do think the fact that Leo has played well and, You've got some of these other guys in there. It does give you time where you're not trying to rush Galloway back. I mean, he may be trying to rush himself back because um, he strikes me as a guy that really wants to be out there. But um, I think you can be absolutely sure that he's healthy before you get him back in. And I guess that's a good problem to have. By the way, uh, we just got a tweet from the great Diane Phillips, one of our best listeners, uh, who wants us to know that Ryan is not asleep. Uh, he's actually helping them decorate. So we just wanted to set <laughs> set the record straight. Uh, on that. Um, so the other lingering question, as it seems to be every game, uh, is about Christian Lander and Christian Lander's playing time. There was a quote from Mike Woodson uh, where he said, you know, someone asked him about Lander getting minutes. He said he played seven minutes tonight. I thought he fit in just fine. This is not about Christian. This is not about Robert Xavier. This is about the name on the uniform. I think some people may be reading into that, and I don't want to read into that at all until hearing like the full context of it. And there may not be anything. Mike Woodson's point may be like, you know, I'm not interested in answering questions about a specific guy's playing time because this is about the team. As like, I think people may be taking that, oh, you know, is Christian not committed to the team or something like that? I would really hesitate. I would tell you to hesitate before uh, leaping to any conclusions there. 
Um, but it is, you know, coach, it's going to continue to be a question, um, you know, about Lander, you know, should he be getting more minutes? It's one of those things like, which comes first? Do you need to see Lander really producing a ton on the court or does he need more playing time to get comfortable to kind of unlock some of the things that we need to see and what's better for this team long term? And Coach Woodson, of course, is thinking, how do I win this next game today? So there's a whole lot of variables here at play, I guess, is what I'm saying. And it's, I'm sure, not as simple of a decision as we sometimes make it out to be. No, uh, you trust Coach Woodson. Uh, Anthony Leal started doing stuff in practice. Anthony Leal started playing. Uh, if everyone who wants Christian Lander to play, encourage the young man to get done whatever Coach Woodson wants done in practice. It's not about game time. Yes, you do. Uh, obviously, game time minutes and experience is very, very, very important. But what Coach Woodson was hired and what we all love about Coach Woodson is he loves Indiana and the name on the front of the jersey. It's not about any one person. It's about winning basketball games. And it's awful hard to have three point guards in a rotation. Um, so, you know, um, it, it just is. And, and I think that there's a level of trust with Coach Woodson with Xavier and Rob, and we just don't know. that. That's the, that's the honest – we don't know what the conversations are. We don't know what's going on to practice, but I will almost guarantee you that um, until whatever criteria Coach Woodson has set uh, for Christian Lander to play is met and met consistently, he's not going to play. So I, I would just count on him not playing until that unforeseen, unknown thing to all of us happens because that's, that's what happened with Leal. Uh, and, and he's getting a little more run now. And, and Woodson said, boy, in practice, he's really caught our eye. Look for Leo to play a little bit more. And he played a little bit more. I just think that's that that's it. It's hard for us as fans in this day where we, we want to see things with our own eyes. Um, but coaches are going to play people who win basketball games uh, in their, their mind. And, and sometimes we make mistakes. But I, I am just a huge trust coach Woodson with the rotations, with subbing, with who's playing, who's not playing. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't think he'll play until he's ready, and I don't think he's ready. I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think if you watch him come in the game, that Jess Settles referenced it, whether that was a conversation he'd had with Woodson, but it was largely defensive related. I mean, he got driven, I think, one of the first times he, he guarded a guy coming up the floor. He ended up with a couple fouls, you know, trying to body guys and really struggling to contain the dribbler. I, I think it we might be thinking that it's something more complicated than that. I'm not sure that it is. Um, doesn't mean that there's not things that he can do on the floor because he's shown those things. I think that's what that's what becomes difficult for people where, um, you know, you've seen him respond in some fairly big moments for the team this year in the games when he was playing in some regard out of necessity, un unfortunately, where it was kind of clear whether it was because Rob was hurt or other guys had fouled out or whatever the case may be. And he responded in those situations, which is awesome. Um, I think it speaks well to what he can be, but I also think you can watch the games and see if you want to find reasons that he's not playing. I don't necessarily know that you have to look super hard to find them. Um, had a couple turnovers today. Now you could also make the argument he's pressing because he wants to play more and that could be a hundred percent valid. Uh, all we can really go on, unfortunately as fans is what we see in the games. And, you know, I think there's been other games where I've come on here and said, he shows you, uh, enough both ways within one game to say this is why he should play more and this is why he's not playing more. Um, and I thought today he struggled defensively uh, when he was in there and turned the ball over a couple times. Doesn't mean you write him off and say that he can't play. Um, but I think you can 
look at that and tell a story uh, of that and say the things that Rob does well from a defensive standpoint are the things that Christian struggles with. And if that's what Woodson is going to focus on and he's not willing to play three point guards over the course of the game, which to this point he hasn't been willing to, again, we can only go by what we're seeing. Doesn't seem like he wants to do that unless the game's out of reach that Rob's going to be that guy for right now. And as coach said, maybe you hear stuff later uh, in terms of what Landers doing in practice. He gets those opportunities and he steps up and performs well in those opportunities like he had earlier. But, you know, I think it's just because the recruiting pedigree is going to be a constant question that gets asked. But, you know, I would encourage people to go back and watch the minutes that he got in this game and the situation that it was. What did he do well? What did he struggle with? How does that correspond to what, whether he's playing or not playing? And you can, might still come away with that and make the argument he should be in the game sooner. And if he was yeah. playing with different groups, he might play better. I, I don't I don't know that that's wrong, but that's that's at least my read on it. Yeah, t- to be fair, it's not just the pedigree. I mean, he's flashed some of the playmaking, but uh, you know, as Nick says, Lander doesn't play good defense. It's not rocket science. And I actually think, you know, it was it Occam's razor, you know, the simplest explanation oftentimes is the is the right one. Hopefully I didn't butcher that. Um, but I think in this case that may be it, you know. It's, as, it's over my head. So if you did, I didn't notice. So, yeah. <laughs> that's like something Galen would <laughs> let, say, you know. Let, yeah. let, <laughs> let me try to quickly address the pressing issue cuz it happens. It happens when you're coming off the bench. You come in. You feel like you got to prove to the coach that that you can play. And the best thing you can do to prove to the coach you can play is execute defensively and offensively. Um, it's not the coach's job to give you 12 more minutes to get you to stop pressing. Uh, the time to stop pressing is immediately when the buzzer buzzes and you go in the game. It's about trust. Uh, and and I thought Christian has played well this year when he's gone in, as Andy referenced. Um, so, you know, I, I just don't buy that. You got to give someone 25 minutes or whatever, and then he'll get in the field of the game and then he won't press, you know, uh, everyone would feel that way. There, there's just not enough minutes, uh, minutes to go around. Uh, and, and again, it's just, it's, it's gotta be a practice thing. And, and I think coach Woodson has shown whatever his criteria is defense, offense, or some combination of such that Christian is lower on the pecking order in practice. Uh, and, I'll just let's go back to the summer. Everyone was loving Woody. Trust Woody. Trust him. Um, get a dollar bill. Put in, in, you know, Woody. We trust on a dollar bill, and let's go. I think we're headed in a really positive direction, despite a couple tough losses. Uh, and if Woody don't want to play him, then we don't play him. I mean, Coach Knight sat people and didn't play people, and we love Coach Knight. So uh, I want Lander to play because if Lander plays, he's getting better and he's pushing in practice. Uh, that, that's the bottom line. I, and I root for him, but until then, whatever, what he wants, we're going to get, and I'm okay. I like everything about that. Okay. Damn right. <laughs> All right. Let's look ahead. Uh, we've got a, uh, a lighter schedule this week as we typically do before the crossroads classic. So we have no episodes of the assembly call, uh, until Thursday night with AC radio. Although I do think that Jeff and Kathy and their new show, Doing the Work, in which they are covering the IU women's team. I think I saw some text messages flash by uh, during the game, but I didn't read them intently. I think they may have a show coming up uh, about the women. So stay tuned for that. Be on the lookout. Yeah, for women got a big game tonight against Ohio State. So they do. I assume I assume whatever show they will have will be yeah, so in think, relation to that. Yeah, I don't think it's not going to be live after that show, but I think they may try to do one tomorrow. Um, so anyway, be on the lookout for that. Uh, Andy? Tell us about the Fighting Irish, who uh, scored a big victory over Kentucky this weekend with a former IU target, Blake Wesley, hitting a big shot for the Irish. 
Well, leading up to uh, perhaps it's good. Well, I mean, it is good that they won that game because they beat Kentucky, but um, but might might be a good way to get IU's attention because coming into that game, their best game from a Ken Palm rating standpoint was against High Point. Um, so uh, that 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 I think will at least allow uh, allow Coach Woodson to get everybody's attention uh, going into the Notre Dame game. They they really had uh, they played St. Mary's close in the. Maui slash Las Vegas Invitational, but they uh, but they lost to them. They lost to Texas A and M in another fairly close game, and then lost by double digits at Illinois and at Boston College. So, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a a tale of two teams here, which we're a little familiar with. I would say, you know, offensively is where they uh, are most efficient. Really struggle on the defensive end. Typically, they uh, certainly certainly didn't hurt that Kentucky was like two of 19 from three in that game yesterday, uh, which I don't know how much of that you can attribute to Notre Dame's defense um, versus just, you know, poor shooting or an off night or, or whatever you want to call it. So um, I think it'll be a good test for IU's defense. Notre Dame, Mike Bray always have a, uh, a good scheme on that end of the floor. So a lot of stuff to, to scout there and be ready for. Uh, but it is a game where you think IU should be able to get some things done on the offensive end uh, as well. So uh, like I said, Probably, probably a good thing from a, a the coach's standpoint that that they got that win so that it doesn't feel like IU's just going to be able to to roll in there and uh, and beat Notre Dame easily. So um, should be a should be a good game, but one that IU needs to win from an NCAA tournament resume standpoint, um, and uh, and hopefully will. You guys are two of the uh, preeminent bracketologists in the world. Both I think top fifteen at bracket matrix matrix. How big, on a scale of 1 to 10, how big is this game from a bracketology perspective, sitting here from your vantage point on December 12th for Indiana? Coach's Probably. arms are so wide that they can't even be seen on the screen. I'm look at that, that, that wingspan on Coach there. That <laughs> yeah, was really... yeah. Andy, Andy will back this up. I don't know that it really helps us, but it hurts us if we lose. Um, you know, um, yeah, it's just important to to get a non-conference neutral win. Um and hopefully Notre Dame then would continue winning and, and move up into maybe a quad two or something like that. But they're one in the hundreds now, even after this morning's new update. Um, so, which I did move Indiana back into our bracket uh, as the last team in this morning because a lot of teams fell out yesterday. Um, I got some heat a little bit for not including the Hoosiers Friday. Yeah, I, w- I would yeah. agree with Coach. It, it, it As you should. You. A lot of Indiana fans built that Delphi bracketology audience. Dang it. We expect special treatment. <laughs> I'll tell the guys we have to be a seat or two higher because yes. we wouldn't be in existence if it wasn't for Jared Morris and Andy Bottoms. That's don't, right. Okay. IU is now a five seed tomorrow. IU is now a five seed tomorrow. Don't put me in that. I didn't say that. Um, yeah, Andy, yeah, Andy's I, all about integrity of the December. I would brackets. agree. Yeah, I want hope, damn it. I, I would agree with, with coach <laughs> that it probably hurts you more if you lose than helps you if you win. Um, although the ACC is shaping up to be fairly wide open. So it's, a, it, you know, if you get a win, Notre Dame, uh, I, I think has some decent pieces there. So if they work their way into a decent spot in the ACC, it ends up looking a little bit better later. It probably ends up being a quad two one at best. I would be surprised if Notre Dame works their way into the top 50. Uh, to make it a quad one win, but uh, got to win it first and then let the other stuff take care of itself. But be good to get a win away from home at the very least. All right. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember to check out our friends at Home Field Apparel. Use the promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, at checkout to get 15% off your first order. 
Gentlemen, it is time for last call, closing thoughts on today's Indiana victory. Andy, your closing thoughts first. Yeah, this is, you know, there's not a ton of expectation, I think, coming into a lot of the games like this. And and yet still think I find myself being a little bit disappointed in the first half performance, even though uh, you, you know a little bit about what you get, what you get coming in. But um, a good bounce back from Wisconsin. Uh, got a lot of guys playing time. And uh, I think those are if probably the biggest takeaway is where you're able to develop confidence. That's ultimately why you schedule games like this. That's ultimately why you have a couple left against Northern Kentucky and UNC Asheville, where you can give your starters some rest, give the other guys some confidence, like a Geronimo uh, scoop came in, made a couple shots, even Logan Duncan at the end, um, getting him some minutes. I think, you know, in a lot of cases, those are your, you know, main, main objectives when you schedule some of these games. So defense, defense really responded in the second half. Offense came out, uh, played well to start the second half and blew it open in a game that probably shouldn't have been as close as it was at the half. And uh, now you move into to finals week and a, a week to prep for Notre Dame, which is uh, really, as we, we just talked about, the last key non-conference game on the schedule. you got a couple other home games that you should win pretty handily. So uh, this is the the next game is always the biggest in, in some regard, but in this case, it's, uh, it, it's true for sure. And so uh, get them through the academic piece of the, the regimen this week and be ready to play against Notre Dame on Saturday. Coach? I thought it was a good performance uh, today. I, I, I really thought Indiana accomplished what they they needed to do against an opponent like this, especially coming off the heartbreaking loss to, to Wisconsin. You saw some individual performances that were really good. Uh, in any game, you're going to have some film that you want to go back and, and clean up. Uh, this could have been a, a, a lot messier coming off a, a, a just a, that, that tough loss. So, this this pleased me today, and it, you know, the word ultimately is going to be consistency. There there was a little bit of lack of consistency in play today from individuals from game to game within the game today, uh, and, and you know that's probably to be expected with the new staff and and putting everyone together. Although we see teams that are Iowa State and other teams Arizona that have new coaches and everything that are that are being really successful. We're just two bounces away. I, I tried to sit back after this week. We're a couple bounces away from being undefeated and, and everyone's just flying r- really high and not to get so, so caught up. And, um, you know, I, I, there's a couple stories that I really can't share. One, one, uh, I, I saw down at Indiana covering Indiana. One was last night with our, uh, our ball club after the game where coaches and players and the relationships, um, keep me in some perspective. Uh, I want to win. I want to play 40 minutes of perfect basketball. Um, but, but Woodson's not only winning basketball games, but he's building men with the staff down there. Uh, and, and and all good coaches and all good uh, players do that too. And, and so, uh, I would always encourage everyone to hold us accountable uh, as assembly call, hold us accountable as Indiana basketball, but put things in proper perspective, enjoy your holiday season. You know, Mrs. Tonsoni just texted me. She bought over 180 bucks of booze for this week uh, for celebrating Christmas. All's, all's good. We're going to have have some fun b- baking cookies and wrapping presents. And so this program is in better hands, guys. And today I thought reflected it. Party at the I'll, be there, I'll be there in a few hours, Coach. I'll yeah. see you soon. Come on, bring the, fa- well, bring the family. We'll have some high C for the youngins. <laughs> Um, coach, you took the point that I was going to make, which is, you know, look, we're 10 games into the Mike Woodson era. You know, he takes over a team that hasn't finished higher than 34th in Ken Palm in five seasons, uh, and has actually spent more of the time, you know, finishing in the forties and fifties and sixties. And here Indiana sits, you know, 27th in Ken Palm, even higher at Torvik eight and two. 
And, you know, they've had three top 100 games. You know, they had a home one against St. John's that they won, and then two on the road that, yes, you can say you're a couple bounces. You can say you're a couple bad decisions uh, away from winning those games. Indiana just wasn't quite ready to win those games yet, you know, and it's a damn shame because getting one or both of those would look incredible. But I think it's just a sign of where this team is. Like, I think eight and two with the losses they have, that seems right for this group. And yeah, we all would have liked for Mike Woodson to come in and magically make the issues that we've seen in the past, you know, go away. But a lot of the players are still the same. And so some of those issues are still the same. But I certainly feel better and more confident watching. And I feel better about the direction of the program. So, you know, I think Indiana's in a good spot. Now, I think to, you know, to really kind of capitalize on the start, they got to go get that win on Saturday. It's a really, really important game against Notre Dame. Indiana is better than Notre Dame, I think, player for player, and Indiana should win that game. And so they need to do that. Uh, But I think overall, I know there was a lot of disappointment after the Wisconsin game, especially in the hours after it. I got a lot of it in my inbox uh, and on Twitter, and I understand the disappointment, and I felt it. But I think now I hope with a couple days of perspective, you know, we recognize that that loss was devastating. It really was the way Indiana lost. But there is something to be said for getting up 22 and for some of the good things that happened. And that I think overall, you kind of take the complete picture of what this first team under Mike Woodson is doing, you know, on a roster that fits better than some recent ones has, but still doesn't fit perfectly together. I still think overall, we've seen a lot of good things uh, and the team that is shaping up to be really competitive in what's going to be an insane Big Ten, apparently, as Minnesota uh, just went on the road and beat Michigan by 10. <laughs> so if you needed anything to know uh, you know, about how crazy this Big Ten season is going to be, there's that. So hopefully Indiana can take the bad parts about the Syracuse and Wisconsin games, because there certainly were bad parts, and fix those. And you combine that with some of the good stuff they've done, and this is a team that I still think has a really high ceiling to be a lot better by February and March. But you can't just fast forward to that. You got to go through the ups and downs in November and December and January to get there. And as far as I'm concerned, we're right on track. You know, anything better than this would have been a nice bonus. I think, you know, anything significantly worse than this would have been a disappointment uh, and a concern. But I think we're right on track to be what I thought we would be all along, which is sixth, seventh, eighth in the Big Ten, you know, maybe right above the bubble, you know, getting in the NCAA tournament, you know, as an eight, nine, 10 seed, something like that. That's what I thought is a fair expectation for this team. I think we're right in line to do that. Hopefully we can get better and bump up, you know, ahead of that. But I just think it's easy to forget, you know, kind of what the standards are and kind of what the perspective was from the beginning of the season once you get into the games actually happening. Um, But I think Indiana's right on track, and I think this was a good performance. Put Wisconsin behind us. Let's look ahead to Notre Dame, and let's let's go get a big win in the last Crossroads Classic ever. Uh, which maybe we can talk about that on Assembly Call Radio on Thursday, uh, our thoughts on that. But that's going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. Uh, and don't forget to go to join.assemblycall.com to join our free email newsletter. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for all the great music that you hear on the show. Special thanks to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing our logo. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Thursday night. Until then. Take it from me, Christian Wofford. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Here I come. This is done, Sony. All right. Well, thank you for being here, everybody.
Thank you guys for being here. Fun, no problem. Uh, fun, fun show. Good, good performance. By the hey, um, thanks. Appreciate it. There's a good chance I will be at the uh, Crossroads Classic. Um, Very nice. We, we applied for media credentials from Bracketology. We've gotten them several years down there. So hopefully th- through some other school that uh, helps us get uh, media credentials, we'll be down there. So if anyone's uh, at the game, uh, I'll probably be at the very top of the third level is where they, they put guys like me. Uh, come, come find me, say hello. Let's talk a little Indiana basketball. Would that be the same team that's currently down in the second half to Ken Palm number 79 as they uh, continue to really perform well as the number one ranked team in the country? Yeah, you, you know, how much it. How much does that suck, Jared? Like, they're really good to us at Delphi Bracketology, and you want to just hate them. You know what I mean, but they're they're really good to us. No, and, I, and yeah, I I felt Chris the same Foreman, way. Their, actually, their SID does their SID just just really helpful. <laughs> no, it, it's so. funny when when my dad took the job at Purdue. You know, he he was the defensive mm-hmm. backs coach at IU under Mallory. Then he took the defensive coordinator job at Purdue. Yeah, I remember we went there, and I, I would always go in, you know, with my dad to work. And then there's like this like series of underground tunnels that connected the football. Uh, uh, stadium where the offices were to the basketball arena. And I would, you know, just kind of wander around there and like, you know, the lights would be off, but I'd go shoot, you know, shoot around at Mackey or whatever. And I remember, you know, Gene Cady would be there and Frank Kendrick and some of the guys, they were so nice. I mean, just yeah. great. And I'm like, I'm supposed to hate you, you know? exactly. but they really were some of the night and painter obviously is a great guy. So I will always root against the black and gold, but that doesn't mean that they don't absolutely have good, they don't, doesn't mean they don't have good people there. They do, and we can separate those things. Absolutely, but, but it is great to see so. them. You know, as soon as they got, as soon as it was, they it was clear they were going to be number one. They almost pissed yeah. away the game against Iowa. They lost at Rutgers, and now they're down by ten. I have a feeling they'll probably yeah. come back and win this one because NC State. Say, I, I've watched NC State but. play a little bit. I, <laughs> I I wouldn't I wouldn't categorize this as a, wrapped up by any means. No, man, no. <laughs> Jared, our our math teacher Steve Painter, I've made him the uh, credentials uh, in charge of the, the credentials, and that dude's been everywhere, man. He gets them at Ohio State football. He's been at the Horseshoe for Delphi. We don't even cover football, uh, and he gets—I shouldn't say it out loud. People start denying us, but um, he—he <laughs> was at—he went to Purdue Notre Dame game. He's a Purdue guy. He's been in Notre Dame football, Notre Dame basketball, Butler basketball. Um, uh-huh. That's all he does. He shows up and does a little bracketing, and then he'll just. I email him. Hey, I, I need I need credentials uh, to the Crossroad Classics. Okay, I'll apply for you, and then he'll let me know if I got him. I got my own <laughs> own own credentials, man. Good to have a guy, you know. Awesome. I got a guy. Good man. to have a guy, guy man. It is but, good uh, to have a guy. All right. So, well, we'll be back for Assembly Call Radio on Thursday. No idea who will be here. Ryan will probably be back, so he can he can rant about the early the bad early start times on Thursday night. Um, I should be we'll, good to go Thursday. Okay. Then we'll figure out our Christmas schedule. Things are always a little hairy around Christmas, but yeah. we'll make it happen. Based on the way, based on the way they, they, things are going, I expect to get whatever uh, everybody else in my family has gotten somewhere around Tuesday. So consider okay. me a game time decision for <laughs> right. Thursday. It's about every couple of days somebody else ends up with it. So uh, Mallory was today. I So that puts me around the Tuesday time frame. So I'll let, I'll yeah. let you guys know. All right. Well, hopefully <laughs> everybody stays I'm healthy. planning accordingly. There. So, yeah. Well, we're... Well, well, that that ship has sailed. So I'm uh, I'm the last man standing at this point. So we got one one turn in the corner on the mend at least. So we're we're getting there. Yes. Hey, by the way, you know the one thing that we didn't uh, talk about 
today. We didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about Tamar. Um, I will say, if you haven't had a chance to go listen to the recent episode of The Inside Scoop, I thought it was really good again. Fantastic. I don't say that because I was on there. I say that because I continue to be impressed by Tamar's willingness to just be candid and to talk about the stuff he does well, to talk about the stuff he doesn't do well. I thought I asked him about the play at the end of the Syracuse game, you know, where he went and trapped, which we talked about a lot uh, on the postgame show. And, you know, I think he gave a great answer, kind of made it clear that, you know, there was kind of a miscommunication and he didn't do the right thing and took ownership of it. Uh, and I think, you know, one of the things that stood out to me today, did you guys see, I think he took a quick shot or maybe a long shot. And the next time he was over by the bench, they showed Woody talking to him. Uh, and it didn't look like a friendly conversation. It was very much a one way. I'm giving you a piece of my mind. Um, and that, to me, the reason why tomorrow I think is going to be so good Obviously, he's got physical tools and all those things, but he just seems like a guy who really wants and accepts tough coaching. And I, you know, this was kind of a forgettable day for him. He didn't make a huge imprint, made that three. Um, you know, and like Coach said, you know, kind of got out of position sometimes on defense. But I just think he has such a big ceiling as a player because of his ability to be self-aware and take good coaching. And so that was we forgot to mention that today, but. I thought that really stood out for me. Now, that that shows fantastic, Jared. You asked really good questions. It's really good listen. Listen to it on the way to our game the other night. Um, just just good stuff. And and you're right. That 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 guy wants to play well. He wants to be developed. Uh, he he always goes to what he could do better. You know. Yeah. Um, so just just good work. Cool. Well, that's it. We'll talk to you guys soon. Enjoy the rest of your Sundays. I'm going to go and drink. So. I drink and I know things. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. A little hot cocoa with some peppermint schnapps, something, <laughs> put some Christmas carols on. All's Very. good. Tonsoni, dad, Tonsoni won last night, beat the young Yeah, club. that's right. The Tonsoni so. Bowl. Yep, it's a. I I love Brent's Twitter feed. It is like the most like coach speak Twitter feed. It's awesome. He's he's just like he did a great job. On to the next one. You know we're focused. It's like there's I can I can hear the the coach Tonsoni. uh, He uh, tweets there. There is a moment there in the in the varsity game where (laughs) we were pretty physical and and they missed a foul on us and we come down and score and he's he's up and he looks at me and, and he said that's bullshit he said that he goes that's a foul and i went like this i just i just went like this right back to him and our friends across the way caught it uh and it was so funny I just, and then in the jv game he was he was mad he was mad and i thought he's gonna get a technical and i went to him Shh. like good dad does. It, it was a lot of fun oh, that's awesome uh, Boy, I tell you what, his kids play hard, man. We our JV was both JVs were five and zero, oh, um, and Brent hadn't played a good schedule. He he'd won a lot of blowouts, and he was like, "Dad, we're not ready because we win by 40, 50 points against some of these teams." And uh, boy, they played hard, and, and he did some good things, called some good timeouts, but uh, their varsity had a point guard out, and uh, it was close for a half, and then we kind of blew it. We got what's an his, incredible kid, man. What's his coaching philosophy? What does he What does he run? Uh, he, he's, you know what? He's a great JV coach because he does whatever the head coach wants. No oh, yeah. question. He's, he's there to do, you know, a lot of people, sometimes their lower levels think it's their NCAA tournament and they want to play a box and one and do all this stuff. Brent does, you know, he goes in at 10 in the morning on game days to do laundry for the team. I mean, great. That's awesome. I'm, I'm biased, but uh, he's going to say, yeah, no, he's, he's a man to man guy. 
motion man to man guy, but he runs some sets. Uh, so it was hard for me to coach because I always wanted to peek down and kind of <laughs> watch see what he's doing. See what he's doing. Yeah, awesome. So, glad it's over though, because man, whew, it's emotional. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet. I bet it is. So, all right, everybody. Have a good Sunday. Take care, everybody. Thanks, chat mob. Really good chat mob today. Yeah, it was a good it. chat today. We need to win every game by thirty some points. Chat mob makes it makes it makes the yeah. chat mob easier. <laughs> a lot more fun. The, the, the only the only <laughs> tough part was when someone said we're not a tourney team, you know, and then Uh-oh. everyone got mad. But we might not be. Just enjoy it. Let the season play out. <clears throat> That's right. All right. Don't listen y'all. to these bracketologists. <laughs> not yet, at least. Yeah, not yet. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you guys. Uh, See y'all. Bye.